Welcome back to Elevator Inspiration for Sunday School. We're in our third lesson. This week it is called The Wedding at Cana. Notice now we're still in the Word Was in the Beginning, which is God Created Word series for the Cogent Legacy series. So let's get started. Our first outline is entitled The Merry Occasion. Now we're in the second chapter of the book of John. Remember last week we looked at the first chapter where in the beginning was the word. Well, we have moved through and we're at the beginning of the second chapter. And in this lesson here, it talks about, it started out saying the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, I put a map here because I want you to see how far Nazareth is from Cana. It's actually about four and a half miles northeast of Nazareth. So the language of this particular passage suggests, suggests that Mary has some official function at the wedding. Because we have Jesus there and his disciple. If you notice in the first chapter, he had... Um, selected his disciple he ended with getting nathaniel he has philip he has simon peter uh, there with him so his disciples is here with him at the wedding and his mother's there and that's what this first outline is telling us and what i gained from this first outline is that if you think about it marriage is actually the first institution established by god in Genesis 2, 4, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So I like this because it paints a picture. John is painting a picture. He's, he's moving out and showing us that one of the first miracles that Jesus does is the marriage, is a, is a miracle at the marriage ceremony. So, see, in the New Testament, Christ is often referred to as the bridegroom. Even Paul portrays the relationship between Christ and his church as that of a husband and wife. So, we see a unique unity is formed, and we see where Jesus steps on scene, and he actually performs a miracle. So, Mary turns to Jesus for help, and I know you're familiar with this story. And I, I have read this many times. So Mary is bought with a dilemma to her son because marriage um, actually went on for weeks there. So this festival, I'm sorry, um, proceeding. And Mary is informed um, that they are out of wine. Look at verse three. It says, and when they wanted wine the mother of jesus said unto him they have no wine so evidently she has a important role in this marriage ceremony because they notify her that they are out of wine now that's an embarrassing thing um to be out of wine because this is a wine is more of a celebration um that that occurs so this is embarrassing you see, even though in the Old Testament it condemns drunkenness, and you remember the verse in Proverbs 20 and 1, it says, wine is a mocker 
strong drinks is raging whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise but yet now wine is often spoken of in a term of celebration blessings and joy I want you to look at, listen at this verse right here. This is Psalms 4 and 7. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. Even in Psalms 104 and 15, it says, And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. So we see that wine is important. So it's embarrassing to give out wine. Now, notice what Jesus said, because I always thought this was harsh when he says these words. Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. Now, I don't think it really says that <laughs> because it, 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 this is more of a, of a respect. So if you put the word dear in from this, dear woman, what have I to do with thee? So what Jesus is actually saying is, is that. It's not time. See, Mary maybe is painting a different picture. She thinks this is a picture-perfect opportunity to Jesus to reveal publicly your identity, who you are. You're the Son of God. You're here to bring miracles. But Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. But yes, Jesus does, does something profound. And because of Mary's persistency, notice what she says in the fifth verse. The mother says unto the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. I like that. So my takeaway is the challenge, this is a challenge marked turning point in Jesus' purpose. This is a turning point. So now he becomes focused on his father's business. From this point, Jesus lives his earthly life according to his heavenly clock. So this is a turning point. Let's see exactly what happens. We have a miraculous occurrence. This outline is called the good stuff. Okay. Now notice in verse six, it says, and there were six water pots of stone. I want to highlight that. Okay. Six water pots of stone. It says, after the manner of the purifying of Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now that firkins here represents 10 gallons. So we have a pot can hold 20 to 30 gallons. We got six water pots so if we multiply six times 30, we got 180 gallons of water here. <laughs> now, notice what Jesus does. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. I mean, there was nothing else you could put in this but water. But now notice who is doing this. The servants are doing this. No one else. And I believe the disciples see this. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. In other words, give your first batch to the person that's in charge. And they did. And the ruler of the governor of the feast 
had tasted water that was made wine and he knew not whence it was but the servants there you know only the individual that knew about this miracle was the servants which drew the water and said the governor of the feast the person in charge and the bridegroom they did not know where it come from but the person in charge says every man at the beginning do a set forth good wine and when men have drunk now i want to emphasize this is not saying when men have well drunk are drunken this is saying when they are satisfied then they bring the worst out but thou has kept the good wine until now but notice who are the ones that saw this miracle. It was actually the servants, not the people in charge. So I believe the ones that saw the miracle was the ones that needed to see it, who was actually Jesus' disciples and the servants. The 11th verse says, this beginning of miracles that Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So if you think about this, turning water into wine, this is a miracle of transformation, but it occurred with obedience. When the servants and especially his mother said, whatever he say do, do it. So obedience leads to a blessing. The blessing actually came from the, the servants realizing that this is a miracle. We have actually put water here, but when we drew it out, it was wine. So when we be obedient, the best thing is for you is to be obedient. So think about this right here. Don't let your wine or your need distract you from the winemaker or the provider. Don't let your need distract you from the provider. Don't let your wine distract you from the winemaker but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. So my lesson learned, is the significance of Jesus' first miracle rests in the results. You see, he transforms what seems disaster into a glorious, a joyful, and praiseworthy event. Likewise, when I obey his words, the results will transform my life. So my thought to remember is God saves the best for last. Our next lesson is God's word saves. Let's spend a few moments in reflection. Our key verse says, this beginning of miracles that Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. There's always a higher purpose for a miracle. And that purpose is beyond 
our benefit. And what I'm saying here is that sometimes we want a miracle to occur just for selfish reasons. But a miracle is designed for God's glory. And if you notice in this miracle, it says that his disciples believed on him. And I want to take it a step further. The servants believed on him. God wants to do miracles in our life, but it's for his glory and not for ours. He must get the glory from those miracles. And like I said earlier, this is the beginning of Jesus walking in his heavenly timetable. Likewise, we must be about his business on earth and walk in our heavenly timetable. Let us pray. Dearest Heavenly Father, your love, your awesomeness, your miracles are truly blessings to us. Thank you for your miracles and help us not to take them for granted, but to share your love and mercy with others. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.